Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. We're easing through this season of, of cross-training. We're easing through this season of trainer riding and the holiday season, however okay. the season presents itself to you. Okay. You're easing through the season. I am hustling. very You're stressed. Hustling. Very stressed. We actually alluded to this in last week's intro, but uh, someone was very anti-checklist as far as getting things done for the holidays, ahead of the holidays, ahead of us traveling. Uh, and someone has been dropping the ball hugely on finishing all of the uh, like holiday these things, these things emerge. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. If we, like, blank out and then suddenly he's gone, it's... it's so the a, Molly Herford podcast. The Molly Herford podcast. Uh, anyway, uh, this actually is the, the PSA to, uh, A, relax, everything's going to be fine. That one's for me. And B... Uh, I really do stand by the list making and the organizing and all of that stuff for this this really stressful time of year for a lot of us. There's just a ton going on and it's it's very easy to get uh, overwhelmed. And I've been, Peter actually made fun of me because he looked at the blog. He's like, you've been writing a lot about organizing and cleaning on the blog lately. Some great posts. There's some about Roombas, like these robot vacuums and organizing just generally. Yeah. I mean, it seems silly, but, uh, you know, the last couple, last couple of weeks, we've had all these articles go up and I'm just going to make my point here before we get into today's actual question. The Roomba has saved us so much time by just like having that automatically vacuuming every day because our carpets otherwise would be a nightmare. They're already kind of a nightmare if we're being honest, mm. but they'd be way worse without the Roomba. And that has saved us so much time that we get to spend training instead of hoovering. So I do think like- Hoovering, yeah. Hoovering, that's the word. Vacuuming. Vacuuming. Yeah, yeah like manually vacuuming. Yeah. I was, someone reached out on Instagram, I think, and I was saying, you know, I was pretty skeptical of them. Like, I think the early ones were a little sort of crummy. Oh, yeah. No, and, and I probably, went in college and it was terrible. Probably worked better in different houses, you know, depending on how many transitions you have from like carpet to hardwood to stairs. And if you have a lot of stairs, it gets a little hectic, but they're pretty smart now. Uh, ours is pretty good. And it's again, like, our... it's heat seeking. Like it yeah. follows us around like a second dog. So I don't know. It, it is like a nice to have. I don't know if it's a, ha a have to have. Like, you know, our, we have a decent vacuum, which is also a good thing to have. Just having a nice vacuum is, is nice. I but... never thought I'd be the adult who it was so excited to get a Dyson for Christmas, but here we are. Right. I was thrilled. Uh, but the whole point of that is just, you know, usually, you know, if it saves you 15 minutes a day, that's a couple hours a week that you could be spending doing literally anything else, whether that's meal prepping, like healthier stuff, or, you know, actually getting in the mobility that you're supposed to be doing, or just actually having another couple hours on the trainer. And the same applies to, you know, whether you're talking about organizing your gear or just being a little bit more sorted out with like, whether it's ordering food, you know, ordering your groceries online or like divvying up the house cleaning amongst you and your spouse and your kids, mm -hmm. um, you know, having more of that stuff just streamlined actually saves so much time, which can then be used for training. Um, and I wrote about this the other week. I'm such a big fan of, oh, you have to have the charging station where, you know, your lights and your watches and your garments and all of that stuff goes when you get done with a ride. And uh, the other week, when we, after we ran, I tossed all my stuff in my bag to sort out later. Long story short, 
watch did not make it back on the charging station, did make it into the laundry bin, did not find it till later that night, but we ended up like 30 minutes late to leave for the next day's ride and run because I was looking for this watch because I didn't have it on the charging right. station. The checklists were of no use. Checklists were useless. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so we have an ad here, but then we'll get into talking about trader boredom. Yes. Uh, But before we get into that, yes, talking about AG1. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, we've been using AG1, formerly Athletic Greens, for a couple of years now. And honestly, still one of like the best decisions that I think we've made as far as like our health and our supplement routines go. That's right. And this is more than just greens. Yes, this is 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and of course, still your greens. It's been iterated on. I think they're on either like 56th or 57th iteration from the original. That's right. And a lot of people are getting into these adaptogens and these mushrooms and these things. So it's it's in this AG1 product. Yes. And the bright side with that is it's really hard to find anything with adaptogens that are NSF for sport certified. Um, not that there aren't any others, but there aren't that many. So to have something that contains all of this stuff that actually is NSF certified for sport. And I was just talking to someone about this. Uh, our friend Vivian had mentioned she ended up getting AG1 because she's, you know, heard us talking about it. And I've talked to her about it a bunch. Uh, I had another friend message me asking about it. I realized I'm saying the Instagram a of, cliche. A lot, a lot of people have been asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, a friend was asking, you know, like, what do I like about it that separates it from other greens powders out there or other, you know, these multi supplements that are coming out of the market? I would say paste is what I would say. Paste is a big one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've had a lot of greens powders in the, in my days. And this is the only one that I can like tolerate as, oh, this is actually a nice drink in the morning. Uh, but I was saying like, even though, you know, I'm not necessarily in a testing pool, I still do take it very seriously, like only putting into my body, like what I know is okay to put in that has been third-party tested that doesn't have any crap in it. Mm -hmm. So the NSF certified for sport is actually really important to me, even though I'm not necessarily peeing in a cup for USADA or whatever the Canadian version is. peeing in a cup for yourself. peeing in a cup, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I think that's super important. Um, and yeah, the uh, the best part about for the holidays is if you subscribe using drinkag1.com backslash Molly H, you get five free travel packs plus a year's supply of immune supporting vitamin D, K, and K2. Yeah, two, two bonuses. bonuses. Travel packs are so good for having around the holidays, especially traveling, hotels, parents' houses, etc. It's in a nice box too. Very nice presentation. So it would be like a nice like gift. You could almost just, mm-hmm. you know, forget about checklists, just order this and then put it, you could wrap it and where you go. Maybe they wrap it for you. Would they wrap it for you? I don't think they would. I don't think they would. Also, I don't think we can get that for a seven-year-old. So I think you're going to well, have to yeah, build you some gift giving here. Oh. This is not getting you out of your holiday shopping. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, there you go. Anyway, uh, if you want to take ownership over your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get five, a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just head to drinkag1.com backslash Molly H. Again, drinkag1 backslash Molly H. Check it out. Okay, so we'll get to this question here. So this is a series of questions. What we try and do with these uh, Q&A episodes is take you know themes that have been coming up with clients that I'm working with, whether it's coaching or consults or even in training plans, sometimes you'll see, you know, what, where are people getting stuck? What are the questions? And then we'll of course get questions, whether that's, you know, on Instagram or something like that. So if you have a question, you know, something's been bugging you, you're having a trouble, 
would love to hear about it because then we might cover it in an episode. Sure. But a lot of these things do come in seasons. And so like with coaching, you know, and, and Molly, you would call this like an editorial calendar, you know, you sort of know around December 1st, it gets like extra crummy in most parts of the world for, you know, it could be rainy, snowy, whatever. And then people start having different problems. So the organization Molly was speaking about, uh, but this one is sort of around the the trainer boredom and trainer. I'm not ready for the trainer. We said there was another one that was like, I, uh, I can't make it more than a few minutes on the trainer. I like, I've already burnt out. I've already burnt out. So these are the people that started in July on the trainer to be more efficient or something. Uh, and now they can't do it anymore. Uh, and now that, you know, now's the time to do it. So that sort of sucks. And then they have also, how do I pass the time on the trainer? Uh, and then what's that last one? I can't even not read it. <laughs> I'm not riding as much as I was in like the a, summer. Okay. So the big, like, is it okay that my volume is dropping? Oh, yes, on the yes, yes. I was like, that doesn't even make sense. That's not even a sentence, but uh, it's not. So there Okay. So let's maybe just start with like the overarching, like the big one here that you put in all capital letters in our, our notes here is that I am not ready for the trainer slash rollers. And I think where I think we we can start is going back to a couple of weeks ago, we talked about doing a strength focus. So, or, you know, walking, obviously cross training is not a crime as per the t-shirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Available in the shop, constantathlete.com. Mm -hmm. Great Slash gift. Shop. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, I think the, the main point here is, so don't get on the trainer or rollers yet. Well, and so you're, that's a great point. So this is why we have the, our, you know, again, I promoted it a little bit more this year, maybe in the future, we'll do more of a contest around the no trainer till December. Uh, but that's sort of the idea is to like artificially hold yourself back because it's a long way till March, April, May, when you don't need the trainer anymore. So that, that's only back. But I wonder if there's a step one of, you know, what are you preparing for and when is that happening? Cause that sort of gives you a bit of a urgency and how hard you need to be charging. Right. Yeah. So we are looking ahead at the 2024 schedule. Like if you do have a race in April, then like, yeah, okay. We probably do need to be, you know, a little bit more on the trainer on the rollers, but if your event isn't until June, I would say you can probably get away with mm -hmm. even, even if you just cut it down to like one time a week on the bike, but you're doing cross training the other days, I think that can be a perfectly reasonable solution, especially right. just getting through the holidays. The other thing too, is I think this is the time of year where everyone makes the mistake of thinking it's only a couple months on the trainer. Mm. We always forget that March, like, especially if you live in these normal Northern climates, you know, Midwest up here in Ontario, up in Canada, anywhere, really even March sucks. Mm -hmm. Well, and we could be, you could be in California or wherever and like you're getting into like the rainy season and that sort of thing. You know, it's colder, you know, we all have, you know, my, my clients in Manitoba, I always laugh because like they're outside riding and it's negative 20 Celsius out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and we're in Toronto and it's like five degrees over, you know, so over freezing, uh, just like, eh, I don't know if it's that bad out, but I get it. Right. There's all these degrees of how, of what's reasonable for where you live. Uh, so yeah, so I think you want to reflect on how much you need to be charging right now. What, what phase of the season are you in when you're talking about this planning or periodization? As Molly said, if your race is June, you can sort of then backtrack. So that might be, if you have training peaks premium, you can just open up the annual plan, plug in your a race, your primary race, and then it'll do the Joe Friel calculation back. If you have the Joe Friel book, pull it off the shelf and like draw it out. I think it's a great exercise. Uh, if you have a calendar, like an old school calendar, like put the date on and circle it and then start counting back the number of months. Uh, and again, usually if you look at a very stereotypical textbook thing, it's usually about three or four months of base and then two, three months of sort of what you call builder specific preparation. So that's what 
six to seven to eight months. And that's probably the case for a lot of situations. Now, if you're getting ready, you know, we have our spring classics are April. So how many months is that? That's four. And then December is five. So that's probably a lot of people. There's probably a lot of people that have like an April, May, you know, they want to be pretty ready. And this is a debate of like, you know, are you going to be really ready or pretty ready? You know, is this an A or a B? I mean, here's where we get into the even more philosophical debate of can you be really ready on the like from the trainer but right yeah and probably probably a little bit and again in april march you would maybe try and get out and be specifics but that's still you know april march then you have february january so you know what that means to me is that you're probably in you know if that if you're going to really go with an earlier race in the year then probably this december november december this is what they might call base one so it's just very early general preparation period where it should be a mix of cross training some strength training it doesn't look a lot like the sport it's not that specific uh and the hours don't have to be that high they're just gradually building and or it might even this might be the time for you to take time off if if it's like hard to motivate training and you haven't taken time off then this might be a check in on that as well so there's a few ways to play it right and if you're someone who is healthy and has been consistent even that periodization where i said you know you 8 months 5 months whatever you know you can sort of take 2 and 3 and 4 weeks even uh and it's not a big deal right you can get back yeah so that's, so our first thing is looking at what are you preparing for? Cause sometimes that even just that process, you know, all that aside from, you know, what, are you, how uh, hard do you need to be charging right now? Or what do you need to be focused on now? It also gives a bit of a why you're getting on the trainer. That's actually what I was thinking is I, I think to me, what I would also be doing is, okay, if you look at it and you're like, all right, this is time to start doing some base. I do need to be on the bike. Um, I would actually put somewhere near the bike, whether it's taped to your top tube or whatever, like I would put your race date, your race goal, like somewhere visible that you can see it. So that way you are reminded whenever you get on the trainer, like, mm -hmm. like, I know you're not ready for the trainer rollers. They suck. It sucks riding inside. Yeah. Um, but if you have that kind of visual reminder of like, okay, I'm doing this because I know that my race is in you know, four months, like I have, uh, there's actually a free app, the countdown app on iPhone and it has a little widget. So on my like home screen of my phone, I have, it's like 240 days to Leadville. So every day I'm getting the visual right. reminder of that is my, that is my countdown. So like, it might seem like it's far away, but those numbers keep coming down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. It was like, it was over 300. Yeah, you're almost counting in years, right? Um, so I do. And I, so as for some people that will be motivating that, you know, your spring classic, your Paris Tancaster, your, uh, I'm trying to think of a U.S. one, Barry Roubaix, uh, you know, these races are coming pretty quick, but that might not still scare you onto the trainer. Cause you might be the type of person who's like the, the crammer, you know, you were in university and you would like <laughs> the all nighters, I, you know, you're, you're not a checklist person and you're going to take, you know, it's not, it's, you got six weeks, so it'll be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, it's the night before, oh my God, it's Christmas Eve and I'm shopping. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're that type of person, then we need to find something else. So then what I think is also useful is to think this is sort of gets into that, what we, you know, the two weeks, the two months, the two years, where you might say, okay, I'm getting ready for ski, cross-country ski, Nordic skiing, or I'm getting ready for that spring training camp. Maybe you're going away in January or February or, or in March. And so you can't go to that camp with nothing. You have to you know, have some 
fitness going to a camp or else it's going to be what we call it, you know, a survival camp versus, you know, are you thriving? Are you surviving? You know, and you don't not like a fun wilderness survival kind of way. Like, yeah, this is really hard. That's how poorly it goes. Yeah. Uh, You know, if you get abandoned in the middle of some forest or something uh, or out in the mountains, it could be very Very much a survival, right? Like you get really cold and you're shaking at the top of a mountain on your little road bike. Okay, you're right. Now it is a wilderness first aid camp. So that's what you're preparing for then, right? Is, you know, you don't have to simulate the camp before you go, but if you plan to do 20 hours in February, then you probably should be comfortable doing about 50% of that load before you go, right? Not this week, but if you're going in February, probably in January, you want to be thinking about 10 hour, you know, plus minus weeks. This is very rough math, but you get the idea. You can't be at zero and then, you know, go or else that's what it's going to be. It's going to be just this huge spike in your volume. And this is where we risk injury, illness, motivation issues, fatigue, that then that's what you'll see. People won't train March, April. So now hopefully that's scaring you a little bit that, okay, I need to put in, you know, three hours this week, four hours next week five hours the next week. Now we're through December. That's the holidays. Take a rest week. January, we're going to go six hours, eight hours, 10 hours. Take a rest week. February, you're going to do, you know, maybe a eight, a 10, maybe a little bit of a rest. And then you're going to go on late February, you know, whatever you're going to go on this camp. Great. All right. So your winter is set. Done. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's the idea. So I I think trying to find out a little bit of something that's going to motivate you for a why is is important. And that might just be the race goal for the season. It might also be something you're getting ready for. Again, ski season is one that a lot of clients, you know, okay, I'm going to get out and walk with some poles. I'm going to go hiking. I'm going to keep my trainer riding up a little bit. I'm going to do some strength training, some dry land training so that I'm ready. The second there's snow that I'm going to have some sort of cardiovascular, you know, fitness from keeping up my training, my movement, uh, and then also getting my arms and my ankles and stuff used to it. So that the first time you go across your skiing, you're not going to just be debilitated. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and actually the week this comes out, it's a good, maybe mention to say, uh, if you haven't been on the trainer this week and you're planning on doing the Rafa festive 500, please, for the love of God, get on the trainer a couple times this week instead of starting on the trainer. Right. Which um, again, could be something, you know, we're getting quickly into that. As you say, this isn't going to be released in time to warn you, but uh, that could be something that's, you know, why you would want to do five or six or seven, eight hours uh, in the weeks ahead of that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just making sure that, you know, you're, everything is, everything's working. You're used to the trainer again, because honestly I do say, I will say like, I do think the first couple trainer rides are always a bit of a kick in the pants because, you know, it's not as comfortable. You're figuring out like where the fans need to get set up. Right. You're figuring out like your position might actually need to be tweaked be for so indoors. Yeah, like, always. Yeah. So it takes a while because outside you have just so much more movement with the bike. You're just, you're standing more, you're coasting more. Just a lot is different. A lot so, of my clients actually, like it's a different bike Yeah. too. So there's, you know, we have to, anytime there's a change in the bike fit, you want to be really cautious. So our first note here, we have a few more beyond the goal stuff is, you know, easing in. So I would say the first couple of trainer rides, like call the first one is like tech and equipment set up now with the tech, like it's nothing will be loading. Everything will be needing an upgrade. Nothing will connect. Like honestly do this on a rest day and you have a lot of time. Yeah. Or just call it a 90 minute workout and just like troubleshoot it and pedal a little bit and do some pushups and you know, while you're waiting for the update to go oh, or I like that. Yeah. I just, you know, and then, okay, we're good. So I, I think your idea about the rest day is probably good. If you can think ahead of that, then you're not going to be, you know, you're going to be able to get your training and that's probably makes sense, but do that. And then I always see like it probably I, my first trainer, couple of trainer rides are probably 30 or 45 minutes if I'm lucky because the time goes by so slow. 
But if you get one or two of those, then suddenly, okay, I can do 60. And then the time starts, I don't know what it is, but for some reason your brain just, and you probably experience this outside. I find, you know, I can do my 90 minute rides all the time, but to do three hours is crushing. But if we go, you know, to a camp, suddenly you're doing five and <laughs> it goes by and it's fine. So it's like time bends a little bit. So you just have to get your brain into that and get your routine and it'll be fine. You're going to be okay. But I would say, don't go in with the expectation that you're going to, you know, hit that, you know, just keep your plan going at like, you know, if you've been doing three hour weekend rides, you're not going to just go into a three hour trainer ride. Yeah. And you probably shouldn't, right? Like that's, it's a whole different load. Yeah. And on that note, you do have like a 90 minute limit note. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. It's something I really find, like, I don't think there's a real need to do a lot more than 90 minutes, especially this time of year, unless you're for some reason getting ready. I have a few guys getting ready for like a fat bike race that are like, you know, 80 miles, these type of things. So maybe there's a bit of reason to charge. You're getting ready for a camp. So if I was going to a camp, you know, around Christmas, say we're three weeks out and it's just crummy and you want to keep that up because I know at the camp, I'm going to have to pedal for five hours. I might push on the weekend and do something like a three hour trainer ride. Um, you know, but I, I would be very hesitant to push a lot of that. Now you say, well, I would like to do more. I have time. This is where I'm like, well, you probably have time to go outside and ride then more often, uh, you know, invest in fat bikes or fenders or, you know, getting to a location that you can ride, you know, there's lots of ways to solve this and, or cross training is then the other thing that you're going to do. So I've been, you know, we have a treadmill, so I put on a little weighted vest and I put it on the steepest mode and I hike, you know, so that was a 90 minute workout the other day. Um, well, and a lot of people ha like I do this all the time, like the, you do part of it outside, part of it inside mm -hmm. and it, riding. Yes. This gets kind of annoying, but like you have a junky, like 1995 mountain bike that we, we use for around town. Like you could do, you know, 20, 30 minutes on that, then yep. come in and do your 90 on the trainer. 100%. And that can be like in a snowsuit, you know, maybe you put on your trainer outfit, but then, you know, you're, you're shorts and chamois and so forth and then like a snowsuit if it's really cold out and then you know whatever protective equipment you'd like and then you go out and you just ride around the neighborhood and, and for some people that'll be technique based some people will get their heart rate up doing that too uh maybe there's some running and some dismounting that's maybe beyond what some people will do but i think uh, also then but... there is like the the running the cross-country skiing the hiking even just brisk walking in in this like snowy conditions do that and then get on the trainer or do the trainer and then do that I'm a big fan of the outdoor and then the indoor. I think you're actually usually the reverse. It depends. Um, like there's arguments both ways. The problem is you get sweaty if you're indoors. That's what I don't like. Yeah. So then you have to decide how you're going to get quickly transitioned outdoors and you have to get changed. It's sort of like the, the, the nice thing about going outdoors first is you actually now have this motivator to stay outdoors if mm -hmm. you can avoid the trainer. So I always try and set up the trainer so I'm ready to quickly transition. But then usually if I do a good job of setting that up, I don't use it and I just stay outside. Uh, you know, you get warm and it's actually okay once you're out there. So I think that's actually the thing is, yeah. And granted I run, so this is a little bit more like this is easier because there's very few conditions where I can't run outside. Sure. Um, but yeah, I find I'll have the treadmill ready to go, have my like Buffy the Vampire Slayer queued up like already. And then, yeah, I'm just outside and I'm like, oh, okay, this, this sucks, but sure. it's not as bad as I thought. And the walking after the workout, this is something we've talked about with a few different people, you know, certainly Katie Bowman, we've talked, who else have we spoke about? This is like a very, I don't know if it's like a, oh, Chris Johnson was on the physical therapist for runners and was talking about like running, you know, or, or walking in the warm up and the cool down. And you could extend that so that you're getting a longer workout for a lot of people, you know, 
you know, if you're not a pro tour cyclist with a huge cardiovascular system, just walking on flat ground briskly is going to get your heart rate up. Um, and so I would say put on a heart rate strap and just go see if you're a type of person that you're like, oh, wow, this is a zone one, two, like, you know, you're getting towards 70% of max heart rate walking briskly. Well, there you go right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be on the trainer all the time. So do 45 minutes on the trainer and then right outside and start walking briskly. Now you can add load, you can add heavier boots, you could add a bit of a backpack cautiously, you could add a hill if you have it. We talked about the treadmill walking, I think is a great option, you know, ease into that too, because ankles and butt and stuff are going to have to adapt to walking on a, a slope. But I think for a lot of people, this is actually like a great general training stimulus that's going to give you the cardiovascular benefit, but keep you from staring, you know, at a screen For indoors sure. or or at a wall. Yeah. Yeah. On the trainer. Yeah. So that's cross training, mixing it up. This is, I think, a very good thing. And that's how you extend past this 90 minute limit, because I think for most people, that 90 minute stimulus, some of the days are going to be just, you know, quote unquote, just endurance, just zone one, two. And then some days will be intervals two times a week, do some intervals. Um, you can mix that up, but I, I think, you know, the, the people say the trainer is efficient. So I think be efficient for 90 minutes. And I think that load is a good balance of risk reward, uh, you know, the stimulus on the body and then, you know, you recover quickly and you come back again and do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the other question is how do I pass the time? And I, I like this one because it suggests that like riding on the trainer is boring. Yeah. And even if you have Zwift, accurate. this is the reality, right? Like it, it's boring. Like if you have Zwift, I guarantee you, you have other stuff going on. Like you're, you're going to have music. You're talking to your friends on discord. You have a, the movie turned up, the football games on another screen. You know, the clients send me these multi-screen, very impressive. I get it. Uh, you know, you have desks and the work stuff's coming in. And <laughs> so like, it, it just is what it is. So I would say like, keep it simple. Number one, like you can use Zwift if you like it, uh, but uh, it, it just keep it simple. And then I think the time you got to think about chunking it and having a purpose. So number one, I warm up with a ramp. So not a ramp test. This isn't maximal, but start super easy. So say you start at 50% of threshold or 50% of heart rate or a hundred beats a minute, whatever you want to do, and then gradually increase in three to 10 minute blocks, however slow you want to do it chunk it up however you want. So three minutes at hundred beats, three minutes at 110 beats, three minutes at 120 beats, three minutes at 130 beats, three minutes at 140 beats. And then around there for most people, that's going to be, you know, getting towards the top of your endurance range. And then you have to decide what you're going to do from there, but that's going to kill, that could easily kill 30 minutes. Right. And I think that's your objective is to make that warm up chunking go about half an hour then maybe you have a workout that could be just a steady zone two workout that could be an interval workout three by 10 minutes there's 30 minutes plus and then the cool down again figure out some way to maybe you just ramp back down that ladder 140 130 100 you know something like that um but chunking it like that i think is is a really good you know strictly for biking i think is right, a good way right. to do it no i like that and then i have kind of two thoughts here one is what you always say is just like I mean, at some point, you're also going to be in a race where it's not fun. It's not pleasant. Um, so you think so, a 200 mile gravel race. I'm sorry. Like there's going to be some boring parts. Like, yeah. Sometimes it's funny, right? Because it's like, think about the things that you've done that are boring and hard. It's like, I'm sorry, this is a you know one hour. I'm sorry. You're going to have to stare at a wall for an hour. Like a completely yeah. climate control. Yeah, like, exactly. Like you have all your beverages and you have a reasonable situation. Um, so first of all, just lean into the discomfort and think about the fact that like, this is going to help you, you know, when you are having a really tough moment in a race, just think, well, at least I'm not on the trainer. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So I think lean into the discomfort, but two, 
this is like one of those cheesy ones, but I actually do like it is have the have the show that you don't watch any time other than on the trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, it's all of the Yellowstone spinoffs, et cetera, because I hate them. Okay, sure. Well, they're very violent. I mean, I really like music. So I'll be honest, like I'll just listen to a whole album and be like, listening to this whole album it's going to take 45 minutes but i do that like having the whether it's yeah a cheesy show that no one else in your family likes or just a show that you really really enjoy this is the only time you are watching it is on the trainer i think that does help keep you on there Mm -hmm. and that's what i do every like you know for me the morning yoga thing that i always talk about like the 15 minutes of corn yoga like i'm not I'm not like a wellness guru who can listen to just like sound bowl meditations while I do my planks and my yoga flow. Like I need to watch terrible TV. Right. So I'm literally just watching every Christmas movie on Netflix right now. Sure. While I do my five minutes of planks and whatnot. So, so I think that's persisted. Like that's always been the way people would watch movies and, and everyone has their own, you know, it could be Yellowstone or like action movies or documentaries. We used to do like... I remember we used to get together, which is another tip is to like get a friends together for like a weekend and ride together indoors, actually together in the same spot. Um, but we used to watch like, Earth, what are those movies called? The Earth ones, like the nature videos. Oh, like Planet Earth? <laughs> yeah, which you're outdoors, you know, you're watching something. So it's sure. sort of neat. But yeah, I always found them very boring because I really don't no, like they're them. They're super boring. And it's like the most soothing voice in the world. How did you not just like fall off the trainer and sleep? Yeah, but it was fun. It was sort of like, there you go. And those are long movies. I guess that was maybe the yeah. idea. And it's like visually stimulating, I guess. And sometimes there's like a lion hunting something. Oh, there was that dinosaurs. Like, do you remember that series? That was like no. dinosaurs documentary. That would have been tough for Those were also get, really good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. All of this said, the one thing is probably like, don't waste like 20 minutes before your workout scrolling. Like, figure this out again, rest day, or just like when you're sitting on your phone at night or something. Like, find the like playlist of movies or shows or whatever that you're going to watch. Cause I think you probably kill a lot of time when you get on the train or like trying to pick the like, ooh, let me see if like GCN, RIP, has anything like right. out or, ooh, let's check Netflix and Prime and Apple. And the bike and- race is a good way to do it too. I mean, especially, you know, the cycle cross and mountain bike, it's a one to one and a half hours type thing. You can mm-hmm. watch the intros to like extend it a little bit. I find that then like, I am riding until this race is done. Uh, that mm-hmm. can be a really good anchor is you're trying to find these things. But yeah, I think it's, your point is good that, you know, you don't want to frustrate yourself with the wrong thing or flipping a lot. I, that that's why I prefer music. I think is it's easier to switch to your mood. Uh, and I always found like a movie, you just sort of like, this is boring and I don't like the vibe of this movie. It's sort of sad or something. So that's, I, I always say I stare at a wall, which people find, a, you know, different, but I, I listen to music, I guess. And look at the window is yeah. sort of the way I do it. So there you go. So do you want to add in the, you have a note here, do strength. And I mean, obviously we've talked ad nauseum about strength in the last few weeks, but I think what you're saying is the, the mid ride. So two pizzas, a, there's a 90 minute limit on your ride. So if you're a person that thinks you have three hours, are you doing strength? So there's, period. there's yeah. just a question. <laughs> why, why can't you find time to do strength? Now that would probably be a separated session. You know, I ideally where you're maybe morning strength PM trainer, but if the only way for you to get them done, done, the only way you can do them is, is by combining them, you know, one hour strength, and then you do your trainer workout. Don't stress on it. I, I would think in either case, the big thing is eating. You got to eat You got fuel between during, um, if, if you want that to be a good concurrent training, 
Uh, but I always say the first thing in this, like weights before, what is it? Weights before cardio is like the, always the big question, uh, you know, and can you do the two at the same time or, or whatever? It's just, you got to eat. Uh, but like whatever gets them done doing things yeah. is better than not in general. So that's where I sort of start. Like, would you bet on the person that just does their strength with their thing or the guy who sits on the couch and does nothing? Cause he's been like reading articles about how he shouldn't <laughs> do them together. Yeah. He knows what concurrent means, but. Uh, so there's that. So then the other, I don't know if do we save this kooky thing outdoor weekends outside? Uh, yeah, I think so. The strength training, I think this time of year, we were talking about the time of year. So definitely in that early base, do some strength training, embrace that as some of your training time, maybe a whole day or two of the week are just strength training, you know, maybe a little walk after the strength training is great. But, you know, there you go. Now you're not on the trainer as much. So sometimes the trainer burnout actually comes from this like six, seven days on the trainer sure. during the week. Whereas if you like do it, you know, say you break up the week and it's maybe like Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, you're actually just doing strength training. You may be going to the gym. This is a nice break, right? And now it's not every day that you have to be on this indoor contraption. I'm definitely a firm believer. Like, and if it's a re like a recovery ride, coffee spin, whatever you want to call it. That is not a trainer ride. Go for a walk. Usually not. I mean, I think sometimes there's a reason for it, but yeah, you'd have to be careful, right? Because it's a lot of mental energy to get on that thing and sit. Whereas again, this is where the walking, you know, certainly you could get your heart rate into like in, you know, the recovery, recovery zone. zone. And then you get into like arms and shoulders and hips moving through range of motion, being in nature. Like what is the point of the, the workout, the recovery workout? Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Yeah. It's sort of just being a little choosy with. Uh, when you get on the trainer, mm -hmm. some people for sure that morning spin, the spin after the strength, like the recovery bit is fine. Um, you know, something like coordination on rollers is good. Maybe that's another note I had there too, is, you know, don't forget about the indoor rollers. They, they've gotten less popular with all the smart trainers as of late. Um, I wonder if they're going to come out with smart rollers. They do. Yeah. Yeah. They do have them. Yep. Yeah. And they sync with Zwift and everything else. And, and they have all sorts of ones now with cages and that move like, so that you can like sprint and, uh, you know, fall off less frequently. People get really intimidated by them, but I do think it's a weird or an interesting thing is if you can't ride rollers, it's interesting. Um, we've talked about getting used to rollers and you always see people talk about the doorway, you know, to get used, but I find that terrifying to me for uh, two reasons. A, the door frame is really close when you fall over. So I find that terrifying, but also it's a, not a great stimulus, a great like skill. We call this like a constraint. Like you don't want to encourage someone to take their hand off their handlebar to brace like to stop their fall. That's how you break your arm and your collarbone is you fall with outstretched arm, right? That's what the physio would write. You know, okay. the cyclist yeah. fell with outstretched arm and they broke their wrist or their shoulder or their whatever. Well, you want to put your foot out, right? This is how you stop your fall. You put your, in general, or you tuck and roll, you know, <laughs> it goes very poor. Uh, but the idea is to encourage yourself to unclip or take your foot off to stop your fall. So what I would rather you do is actually start with flat shoes and work until you get comfortable getting going and stopped, getting going and stopped. And so once you get going, you stop and you do this 10 times. You can do it with both feet if you want. You can do race starts if you want. And then if you have a workout, fine. But I would start with a technique, especially if you're learning this, you know, even just have your trainer beside. And then you do with flat shoes. It can just be on your clipless if you don't have flat pedals. And you want to get going and stopped 10 times with your flat shoes on. Don't use a door frame because I think you're just going to end up breaking your arm down the road. Fair enough. Yeah. I, it's not a guarantee, but 
<laughs> so there you go. That's a side about getting around the rollers, but the rollers, I think, pass the time really, really nicely. And again, you could do one day on the rollers, one day on the trainer, maybe like your endurance day on the rollers. And, and because you're more engaged, you can't, you know, you, you have to balance. I think this is much better, much better than the indoor trainer from a, you know, reality standpoint. I know. find them very stressful, but yeah, I did learn how to use them. So and and you capable. did use the flat shoe technique. Hmm? Yep. Yep. We had a video on that too. And so we built up, you know, with a textbooks on the one side so that you had something a, a little higher say, platform. I do need something high enough that I can put a foot down on because, because sure. you know, once you get decent, you can use the roller frame to get going. But yeah, the main thing is just use the flat pedals and just take the stupid clipless stuff out of it for the time that you're learning. This is, you know, good advice when you're learning how to ride a bike or do skills uh, outdoors. You know, it's not an either or, it's both end. So just when you're practicing your rollers, even just in the warm up of to get your rollers to so do these 10 reps, and I would love to see 10 reps of both sides, ideally, but that might be pushing it. Yeah, maybe that's like with 2.0. So rollers worth the investment uh, for lots of different reasons, but I think they do help with the passing of time and engagement. And I think our richer training because you have to balance, Yeah. right? We always say like, what are the, when you think about a kid riding a bike, it's you got to look where you're going and you have to balance your bike. And what does an indoor trainer do? None of those things. Fair enough. You, fair can, enough. you can just look at your Blackberry and <laughs> and you don't have to balance at all. I mean, if you have a Blackberry, I'm like a little concerned, but. Sure. You sure. got it hooked up. You're watching Zwift on your BlackBerry. You're definitely not on Zwift. Scroll, if you're on scrolling through. <laughs> um, well, the other nice thing about rollers too is like they are the the warm up method of choice for mountain bike and cross. So if you do race, either a little more mountain portable, bikes or yeah. cross, they are good for bringing to races for sure. Okay. Um, I criticized Zwift already, so we can skip that one. But okay, uh... look. To be fair, we like Zwift. We are Ooh. not like anti-Zwift. Okay. It's just that like. <laughs> We take umbrage with the like elongated trainer season and like full focus. On Some people use season. it really, really well. And I think for especially the youth seem to like the e-racing, like they seem to get it. Um, so I think it's okay for some people. You just have to be careful. It's the same as Strava. I think there's the tool is good. It's a good tool. Exactly. Um, oh, I'd maybe actually also my caveat to Zwift. I've written a bunch on it in the last couple of years. I'm like, I like it. I like the people who are there. I like Zwift. Uh, if you're a competitive jerk like myself, be very careful on Zwift because you will end up going much harder than you intend to on every ride if you are not very like specific with your plan and your effort. So just yeah. be aware of your mindset going into Zwift. And if someone passes you, it's okay. So we have two points. So maybe the constructive thing I can put around Zwift is what I like is when folks go out and, and the people that use it well seem to, you know, they almost have their their device, their Garmin, you know, their bike computer set up to their power meter. And so they have, you know, the workout there, they can press lap button, use the lap timer on their bike computer, but then they have a screen that they're maybe running one of these virtual softwares such as Zwift, uh, where they're going to explore the environment uh, of Zwift. So they might go up a mountain in Zwift, or they might, you know, just ride the loop in Zwift. You insert the name of the place and the worlds or whatever they're doing. What's the, like London is like a big one, right? So they're riding around this London loop. And they do their intervals as if they're riding outside at their home or or in London, right? So to me, that's like the best use of the virtual environment is like you're actually still using your bike computer and your bike as if you were riding outdoors, but you're virtually riding in an environment. I like that better than the the workouts in Zwift and the erg mode and whatever. 
it just seems like it's a more real way and would actually maybe be more stimulating if you had to actually like negotiate like, oh no, there's a downhill coming. I'm in the middle of my interval. Well, that's sort of real and you got to pedal harder. But in the virtual world, it's actually not too bad because the hills aren't really that steeper. You can pedal a lot of times. So, and you can choose your route. Like I see people just ride up different mountains and stuff in these virtual worlds and they just do three by 10 using their their bike computer. So I think that's the other thing you could try, not that you wouldn't do it the other way, but just it's something that, you know, go and explore these quote unquote virtual worlds. And, and you know, can you do a ride as if you were in the Swiss Alps or something, right? Mm-hmm. Just keep your blinders on if you are someone who is going to try to fight everyone. Probably settings for that. But uh, yeah, know yourself, I guess. I I would have the like opposite. I'm like, I'm going to slow down. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's how you you. differ. Yep. Okay. So the last thing then around strength, uh, and this could be cardio machines you have. Maybe, you know, you have a treadmill beside your bike in your little suffer fest zone. What do they call those? Suffer pain cave. Pain cave. I was like, suffer cave? That's not right. I do think they call this high intensity functional training, which a lot of this is, you know, looks at CrossFit. So these multimodal things where you're doing, you know, push-ups and then you're on the aerodyne bikes, you know, assault bikes. It's not an aerodyne. But I think as cyclists, this is something Steve Neal, you know, I really introduced me to as, you know, he was really into CrossFit at the time. This is my coach coming up and then mentor and coaching as well. Um, Something that I really, I really enjoy and still do for sure is, and at its simplest, you're riding your trainer and we talked about chunking. So I said, you know, do your warm up, gradually ramp for 30 minutes, whatever. Then you have an endurance. Say you're going to ride, you're, you're going to do a two hour ride. Even though I said 90, you're going to do two hours. So now you have sort of 90 minutes you got to kill. And so what I would suggest is, you know, every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes, get off and do pushups, get back on your bike. And if you think about in like the real world, you would be coasting you would be stopping at a stop sign sure uh, if you're mountain biking you actually are using your upper body a lot of the time right and you're going to coast down a downhill you're going to stop to figure out where you are in the forest let your friend catch up you know but you're going to coast all the time so especially for off-road but i think even roadies you know they're going to coast back in the group to get on the back of the group or mm-hmm. coast as you say down the hill or around the corner like there's there's breaks in your pedaling so while the trainer is more efficient because you never get a break I think we're allowed to take breaks and you could argue that this is more specific to outdoor riding. The the idea with this is that you're actually activating more muscle mass. So especially if you're someone who only rides indoors, I think this is almost non-negotiable because you're not doing all these other ranges of motion by cross-country skiing or walking or running or whatever other sports we're doing. So I think you want to do this to call it cross training. So what this might look like. So that's a simple one. You got 90 minutes, every 10, 15 minutes, you jump off, you do 10 pushups, start that way. But this could become more involved where, you know, you could do, you know, a little more intensity on your bike, or you could jump off and do more of like a cross, something that looks a bit like CrossFit. So like five pull-ups, 10 pushups, 15 air squats. That's Cindy for the CrossFit uh, aficionados. So you could do one to three or whatever number of times around that little strength circuit, and then hop back on your bike for maybe five, 10 minutes, and then back off and do strength. And now you're generating all of this. We could say lactate or fatigue. Uh, you know, you're using a ton of muscle mass. Blood is just getting shunted all around your body. Your heart has to work so hard. And then you get back on your bike and you, you recover a little bit on the bike. So I think this is a really interesting way of looking at training where you're challenging that heart a bit more than you would if you just sat on your bike. So we start getting this really interesting stimulus uh, that could actually be quite beneficial for your cardiovascular system. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Now th- there's that benefit, but there's also just like it chunks up the workout. So you're just trying to figure out a game where you can like get in the time, 
uh, and not go, you know, not get super bored. So mm -hmm. again, this could also, so that's an example. So that's like a more advanced strength circuit. The other one then is the, the strength circuit or sorry, the cardio circuit of just, so say you hate strength, you don't like that, but you have a rower and you have a, a stepper and you have a treadmill. So then I was just going to say rowers seem to be really popular this year. I feel like I know several people who've gotten ones. Sure. And, and, and you know, probably my dream would be to have like a rower or like the, the ski, ski erg where your arms are more, your, your arms face. are more used. And again, now you're getting this blood moving around and you could say it's sort of like cross-country skiing where the, the VO2, the, the, the oxygen requirements because of all this muscle mass are higher. So then you could just sort of cycle your way through, but now you're chunking the workout. So maybe you do 10 minutes on each machine. This could be in a gym at work too. Uh, you know, and then that way you're not spending so much time on this like sort of crummy exercise bike or spin bike. It's only 10 minutes and then 10 minutes and then 10 minutes. And again, now if you do that circuit twice, you're getting close to a 90 minute workout, right? So it's not too bad. So that would be the other idea is to just think cross training, but like you're inside, if you're an inside person, you live in the city, I get it. But what can you do that like looks like cross training is a little more general for this base phase? To be clear, we are not suggesting that you go out and buy like 10 workout machines. This is more like if you have access to like a gym at your apartment building, if you happen to have a couple of these in the basement, because like, let's be honest, Perfect. like if we're at my parents, there's yeah a stepper, there was a manual treadmill, there's a rower, there are like stationary bikes, mm -hmm. everything. Uh, but don't like, don't feel the need to go out and purchase a rower, a treadmill, a stepper, et cetera. No, I, I think you'd do the strength stuff if you didn't have that stuff sitting beside you. But a lot of people do have one or two of these things sure, randomly sure. sitting in there that you know that's holding laundry right is the yeah. joke yeah yeah you i mean geez we even have a tiny stepper we have like one of the the little one that doesn't have like arms or anything it's more for like under desks yeah i mean this could look like a set of stairs that you're you know sort of stepping on the mm -hmm. stairs too i guess right like you could do again there's a lot of different things you could do but just thinking a little outside the box remembering that you know what you're doing on the indoor trainer is not very specific like your bike doesn't move you don't really stand up very much so you know how can you make this uh, you know a, a more enjoyable experience a little more varied mm -hmm. love it cool all right i think that's that's a wrap indoor training indoor training. All right. As always, uh, rate, review, subscribe, follow, let us know if you have any questions. We love to hear from you. Love to see the reviews. I feel like Peter might be leaning towards a second dachshund. So maybe if we make it to, let's say 200 reviews, perhaps Molly gets a second dachshund. I don't know about this. I don't know where this came from, but okay. You're the one listening to the dog podcast. It's the Christmas season. I guess you can wait for it. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.